Officially podcasting. Welcome, buddy. Yo, yeah. dude. What's up? Welcome to the Rage Rowdy Podcast with uh, your co-hosts, Kurt. Hello. And Nick. And Nick also, yes. And we have Kent and Brian here, so welcome, buddy. Um, so besides TikTok, what would you rather be spending your time doing? Oh, man. You know, I'd rather be golfing or fishing or turkey hunting or getting kicked in the face. Like, anything <laughs> but TikTok, I would rather do. <laughs> Uh, I think there's some value in content like that, though, like just showing people a little bit of yourself. And I think you do that pretty well. Oh, thanks, Like man. showing where you're, you know, you're out golfing or if you're hunting, you know yeah. what I mean? That's really who you are. Well, I mean, that's I think that's what the platform's supposed to be, right? Yeah. I mean, the, all of us are just wanting to take a peek inside the curtain of like who I am, who XYZ artist is. And and for me, man, I, I play golf. I hunt. I'm from Kentucky. I like to fish. I like to hang out. I like to cook. And I got a five-year-old kid that does all of it with me and a wife that likes to do it too. So, like, that's pretty much the Kent and Bryant world, yeah. you know? So, uh, it, it's fun, man. I, I enjoy sharing that. And, and I think it's – for me, it's 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 so easy to hide behind, like, the veil of, oh, I don't want to put anything personal on social media because that was my thing for the longest time. I was like, I'm not putting anything personal, just music, strictly music. But then I, I feel like I had to open up a little more and and, and kind of come to terms with – the platforms are made for more than just business. And once I did, man, it's been nice. It's nice having like, you know, people who are excited about seeing Emerson on, you know, play yeah. golf or, or hunting or whatever. So, uh, yeah, it's, I, I think I'm learning as much about it as, as anybody these days. And that's yeah. part of the compromise with like being an artist is like, you have to give that up at some point to some degree, not mm -hmm. all of it, but, it's like, you know, ideally you become some famous singer, right? Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, it's weird. It's like, did you know Sturgill Simpson's married with three kids? I don't know anything about Sturgill. Exactly my point. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know I'm yeah. a huge Sturgill Simpson fan. And I was like, I don't know if I give a shit. Yeah. Like, not bad. I was just like, I like Sturgill Simpson because I like Sturgill Simpson. Yeah. You know, you find it like, and not knocking Sturgill if you're listening to this, but like, I think if we all hung out with Sturgill Simpson, we wouldn't think he's as cool as we think the guy that sings you can have the crown like yeah right we we create this thing this this character in our head of of like sturgill and like oh he's this big rebel guy and he's probably like at home woodworking yeah you know? yeah <laughs> or like, watching netflix or yeah something. yeah like it's like what are you doing oh man i'm watching this thing on like uh beekeeping yeah. you know what i mean <laughs> yeah out in the yard planting tomatoes yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> yeah so i think there's something to that for sure and if you look at like eric church right yeah which eric church doesn't do a lot of interviews you know, he's kind of, he talks about stuff, but when he does, he does it very strategically. It's mm -hmm. not super often. It's not on a lot of platforms, you know? I think the last one was like Rolling Stones, that big one that dropped, right? Did you see the oh, one? He did one ago. recently that, and I found it was with a random session musician at a New York, I think it was New York, like this jazz guy, like a friend of a friend of a friend. I had to find it. I mean, it was right after the Super Bowl. Actually, it might have been the day before the Super Bowl. And it was just like forty-five minute interview. And really? Yeah. I mean, I dug somehow. I don't know where I found it, but it was awesome, man. And it, again, it was one of those ones you're like, 
he never talks as much. Yeah. Like he's actually, you're, you're finding out something about this guy for once. So yeah. it's kind of interesting. I think there's, there's definitely strategies for that, right? Like that Mr. That mystery is cool, but you have to, it, that doesn't work for everyone, especially no, in now, no dice. Yeah. especially in today's day and age. I think yeah. if Eric was starting right now, it would be harder for him to do that. It would be, man. I, I think you're right. And I, I think it's just, everybody, in hindsight, it's all great. But, right. you know, when you're going through it, you're like, oh, man, should you do this? Should you not do this? Should you be the guy going, pointing up to the lyric box and lip syncing oh, along? You yeah. know, hey, dude, like. Did you, but by the way, did you see Muscadine Bloodlines? Oh, oh yeah. my God, so funny. I text Gary. I was like, holy <laughs> shit, dude. That is so funny. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's like if you're that guy, man, it's hard to be that guy and then go sing The Outsiders. Yeah. You, yeah. You, let's be honest. I, so I think more than anything, you've got to be honest with yourself and your music, and then I think just your music is going to be the dictator for what you are everywhere else. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like Thomas Rhett, I totally believe he's that guy. Yeah. You know, I mean, the guy that's uh, – whatever he is and the, the world that he's kind of created, I love it, man. I think he's great. I think he's a great dad. I think he's got a great family and a great great image and, and brand, and it feels like the guy that sings Life Changes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. But if he was that guy and he was going out and singing, you know, uh, God. Like, some, like, badass song or whatever. Some badass, like – kick you in the teeth like yeah again the outsiders you'd be like well that's okay then yeah <laughs> you're angry man yeah. <laughs> you good life then good at home yeah um so I th- yeah you're man I-, I think you're right i think the mystery thing works for some people like tucker bethard does it great like and, and not saying i don't want to know anything about tucker but i don't have to like i just get what he's doing and i just want to support him and um yeah I-, I think for me it's just been a it's been a nice fine line of figuring out you know more about myself through the music and and again that's yeah pretty much just finding out more about myself through the music and making the music better by finding out more about myself yeah so it's, it's been fun man i know we had you on the podcast that one of my first podcasts when i really really didn't know what i was doing it <laughs> might have been the first one yeah it was the first batch like you i think we released yours as like episode three maybe or episode yeah, dude, four that was that was a hot i mean i had just signed my 50 egg deal because we were in jonathan's old office yeah yeah with yeah. one mic in the middle of us talking mm-hmm. to it on a computer that we had to be on Wi-Fi to record. <laughs> now we have three mics, so the podcast is three times as good. Yeah. Well, and, it's four yeah. times as good because Charlie's here. Oh, true. Charlie. Charlie. This feels like Joe Rogan, but almost as, almost as cool. Yeah, just like way less funny between Kurt and I. That's true. <laughs> way less DMT. Yeah. yeah. Dude, Joe's stuff is so funny. But I'll tell you, like, I have the most respect for Joe out of any podcast I listen to. Because he can have a con- like Joe is so good at having a conversation with you, and also asking you a question. He can ask you fifteen questions, and you could have a whole conversation and never know you got an interview. Yeah, it's so good, man. Like he'll just steer people down paths, and and, and I've always, I mean, anytime I go on a road trip, that's what I listen to because you can find out super cool stuff yeah. about people. And he 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 has the great way of like prying out the stuff that nobody gets out of interviews. And doing it smoothly and, and also with respect to who he's interviewing. Yeah. So it's always neat. And I think the other cool thing about him is like his vast array of people he'll have on, right? So yeah. he, he leans in on so many different things. So he'll lean in on, um, you know, of course, like people in the MMA world, which is part mm-hmm. of like his yeah. fan base. He'll lean in on the comedy, but he leans in on like 
politicians, yeah, man. Yeah. musicians. And I mean, that Stapleton one was fucking great. Sturgill like, one too, man. The Sturgill one, was, one was awesome. Yeah. I heard that one. I need to yeah. check that one out. Well, they, it's like they don't talk about music. They talk about like beekeeping and living in and hunting and stuff like that. But that's he leads them down. Right. And but all of the cool thing about that, he's all like, while he's telling them or talking about beekeeping. He's also going, so tell me, you know, it's like he works these cool little stories like, mm -hmm. so you're on the road, blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh, James Hetfield was into beekeeping and he found out because XY's Eric Clapton got him into, you know, yeah. hypothetically. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it's it's really neat how he does that, man. And and there's definitely an art to that. Well, yeah. our art here is to lead people into other podcasts, meta podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Shit, I'm just glad Kurt's here because he does way more about things and stuff than I know. I know like three mm, percent. I'm just like this song sounds awesome. I can't tell you why it sounds awesome, dude. That is that's a, a valuable more than most. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> more yeah. than most. I'm not yeah. even gonna lie. Welcome to Nashville. We got you know zero percent about nothing. Yeah, <laughs> you know three percent about something. So you're doing pretty good. Yeah. Um. So uh, what do people listening to the podcast need to know? What's going on with you right now? Oh, man. Um, you know, 2020 was kind of tough uh, for everybody, but I think it, it gave me a lot of time to be patient about songs. Because, um, you know, I mean, in Nashville, it's like you you rush, rush, rush. It's like you write, write, write every single day. And you're, you know, if you're, when we put something out, I think, what, fall of 2019 was our last release. Mm -hmm. And, you know, normally they'd have been like, oh, spring of 2020, here we go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. And uh, I think, First January of 2020, I sat down with with Tally Canterbury, who runs Fifty Egg, and I was like, "Hey, like it's it's time to start doing new music, right?" Like, and I didn't really have anything that I was super stoked on, and um, and she was just like, "Hey, let's just start diving in, figure out what you want to do." And and Jonathan was like, "Hey, man, uh, take some time and just write some songs by yourself, and figure out what this next chapter is." And um, so my first one of the first songs I wrote uh, was a song called Young Love, and it was really neat because I sat down I'm mean, just so boringly just sat down on like a Tuesday afternoon at the office and just wrote it. But for me, it opened up, okay, this is a project. I can write a lot of this by myself and just take your time and write it. And uh, then the pandemic happened and it was like Jonathan and I all of a sudden had a bunch of time. Yeah. And so I would just sit, wake up every morning and it was so, again, I hate talking about the pandemic in a good way, but always trying to find the silver lining. Um, yeah. I would wake up in the morning at like 7, 6.30, 7 in the morning, make six shots of espresso, drink it, and write as much as I can about something until I ran out of gas. And then I would like go play golf or I would go hang out at the farm or something like that. And uh, there, was no, there was no rush, man. There was no like, well, there's a writer in the room that you might not get in with in six months. Like a lot of times it was just me. Yeah. Um, and so I, I felt like, this whole record came out of me being more mature, being more patient, and really accepting songwriting for being magic, not a machine. And uh, like Covered in Dirt, I had the idea. I think I got it golfing one day. And I remember sitting on it, sitting on it, and be like, Covered in Dirt, too. You're covered in dirt. What's that mean, man? Like, what is that? And uh, Wyatt McCubbin's a, a really good buddy of mine, and, and Wyatt is just a fantastic songwriter. He's such a good guy. And, uh, for for being as awesome as he is, he had really shitty internet last year. Yeah, so he couldn't zoom. He yeah. couldn't zoom. And I, was, I texted him. I said, "Hey man, I got the, I got this idea called Covered in Dirt. To your Covered in Dirt." And he's like, "I love that." I, if you if you hear why, he's like, "I love." That, yeah, man. 
<laughs> and uh, and so we were on the phone, and I was like, hey, dude, you got, let's, let's Zoom. I want, I want to write it with you. And he goes, I can't. I don't have good internet. So let's just do it on speakerphone. So we sat there and wrote the song on speakerphone one day, and it's just funny because that's something never would have happened no. if it wasn't for the opera. I would say the opportunity. You know, the good Lord gives gives you opportunities, and I feel like COVID was that opportunity to go, "Hey, man, you're going to be able to have a lot of time on your hands to think and write, and it's going to be unorthodox. It's just going to feel weird, but just do your best." And out of that, man, we got covered in dirt on speakerphone, and I remember finishing the last verse. Um, you know, it's a uh, you know, it's it's like the little breakdown thing, and, and I remember writing that and putting the last last you know finishing touches on it, and and I was like, man, this song's special. And I remember going, oh yeah, and it felt like I, I listened to that the work tape probably fifty times, and and I played it back and forth to Young Love, which I'd written by myself previously, like a month before, and I was like, this is this is starting to feel like something. This is starting to feel like a record. This is starting to feel like the next chapter of me. And uh, so I called Jonathan and said, hey man, let's let's start cutting. And, you know, we, we went on, White and I went on a little roll. We wrote a song called Good At It, uh, same, pretty much same thing, man. Wrote that song, um, and, and it was so much fun. I wrote a song called Breaking Hearts the Hard Way by myself at the house. Uh, I wrote, I'm trying to think what else is on this track, Proofs in the Whiskey, <laughs> White and I wrote on speakerphone, um, Closer to Over You. Uh, I wrote uh, in right, yeah, right around Covered in Dirt Time, wrote that by myself. I uh, actually went to the office one night because I was bored. I, didn't, I think Rachel and my wife was sleeping. Um, so I went to the office and wrote that by myself. And uh, it's been fun, dude. It's been, it's just a, it's been a weird year. But I think for me, it's like I, I had to have that year and that time to find the next chapter or at least kickstart it and give myself like, okay, I was coming off like this thing, the Wild Hearts, Home in This Town, what I would call an EP of singles. You know, yeah. we had started with Follow My Broken Heart with Boys Like That, Stays, Lonely well, Don't Look Good On. I felt like that was like a, that was tw- that was me in 2019. Yeah. And I needed to find the next version of that. And it's, it's tough because you, people always say, oh man, just, just write what you write. We love that. Just do it again. But you can't, man. There's no, there's no way you can replicate everything. And I remember here, John Mayer, somebody was like, well, just write Gravity again. He's like, if I could, I would, yeah. you know, <laughs> but you can't. So I think, as a creator, you've always just got to go, hey, man, that was that was time-stamped June 22nd, 19, or 2020 or whatever. And right. um, you've just got to be completely comfortable with uncomfortable, you know, yeah. going, hey, man, I'm comfortable not knowing what this next record's going to be, not knowing what the first song's going to be for the record. And uh, I had fun chasing it down. And, and kind of on the back end of it now, um, you know, Singleton and I, we're, we've got – Probably two or three more we're going to cut for it. I say for the quote unquote record, but yeah, um, it, it was nice because I knew exactly what I wanted to say. I knew exactly what it what they wanted to be, and you know, even sitting down in co writes, um, there wasn't that that worry. That I say it was still a little uncomfortable just writing new songs, but um, it was so much fun because I had covered in dirt to lean on. I could say, hey man, this feels like this guy. You know, it feels like me in twenty twenty one. So yeah, that's a the short answer, I guess, of what I've yeah. been up to. That's awesome, man, because there's a lot of artists that, some that even have great success that don't know what they want to say. Yeah. So just to have that, I feel like, makes writing for a record or a single yeah. or just a cut or whatever, like, that much easier just to have that focus. Oh, the, the focus. I mean, I, I lean on Singleton so much, and I know the Raised Rowdy fans are, are such big fans of Jonathan, and, and I'm a 
there's nobody that is a bigger fan of Jonathan Singleton than me. And and I I call him about everything and, and I always ask him just random, you know, Hey man, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but you know, one thing he told me is like, Hey man, all the great people, cause Jonathan's written song. He's at cuts with Stapleton. He's, I mean, he's got an Eric church coming out song song coming out soon. It's like the Luke stuff. And, Every like when I ask him like, hey, how's Eric right? How's Chris? You know, on the when I first started writing, it's like, hey man, how do my heroes? You know, how do my he on top of Jonathan be my hero? How how does Eric work in a room? He's yeah. like, man, nobody in the world knows what they want to say better than Eric Church. Period. He's like, you will say lines and Eric will go, great line, not for me. Every single time he said he's so fast and he's so good at going, great, not yes. That's I would say that I would say that even if it's not his line, he knows exactly what he would say and he knows whether that's going to work for his project and the the thing that's working in his head. And for me, man, that's, you know, I, I took that as the gospel, you know, and, and moving forward and writing from then on, especially after that talk with Jonathan four years ago, even through the EP, it was like, would I say that? Is this something that fits in my project? Is this something that fits with the song? You know, because you're thinking, you know, micro and macro at the same time, because right. you can have a great song that doesn't match the project. Right. Um, and I've, I really took that to heart. So yes, that that has been one of the biggest things I could say uh, for for me writing songs is knowing exactly what I want to say and how I want to say it. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, I, I noticed through quarantine that you were doing a lot of solo writing. Is mm-hmm. is that something that you did extensively before, or did quarantine kind of guide you down that path? You know. Yeah, I did. I mean, it's funny enough, man. I and mean, people, if you dig YouTube deep deep enough, you'll find. Uh, like a song called Daddies Always Do, which is a little song I wrote about my little girl and actually just wrote it about a friend of mine who almost lost a kid one time and just made me think about, you know, dads. But I've always written songs. I mean, that was kind of the song that got me my deal with Jonathan because it was like, hey, that's a 100 percenter. You you know, when you sign a pub deal in town, most people are, well, we love that song, but who'd you write it with? And if you say, I wrote it with Singleton, they're like, oh, well, it's a Singleton song. Or you wrote it with so-and-so. But when you're turning 100 percenters, man, that's you. And... I've always tried to write a lot of uh, songs by myself. Um, and I think Jonathan and, and the 58 crew and my big machine family, they were very, very supportive of me diving in and writing songs. I mean, I turned in my first year, I probably turned in 13 or 14 hundred percenters. Uh, last year, God, I probably turned in 15 or 16. And I've, I've between 10 and 20 songs a year that I've written by myself. And, um, I mean, stays was a hundred percenter and, uh, yeah, it's just I feel like the I'm not gonna say the quality, but the I'm I'm a little more hyper focused on those. Yeah. Does that make sense? Because it's yeah. like I have the patience to to sit it down and come back if I need to, you know, a month later, or I have the you know the insight to go, okay, I'm on it. Like I wrote, sometimes she stays in 45 minutes just because yeah. I was like writing down the page. Just this is right, this is right, and there was no stopping. It was just like, hey man. This is it, good, bad, or ugly. This is this is what it's going to be. And I never went back and edited shit. It was just do that. I mean, I got the work tape on my phone, and Emerson, I mean, Emerson was taking a nap, dude. And uh, she woke up, and I mean, there's bubble guppies playing in the background while I'm doing the work tape. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just, I mean, you know, it's it's funny how they all come out, man. And hundred percenters are just you got to let the magic come. That's where the, sometimes the machine, I feel like you, you sharpen your tools in the, the co-writing machine that we all do every day. But you, when you get the magic to finally come, that's when the, the practice comes in real handy. Yeah. That makes sense, mm-hmm. man. Let's talk about sometimes she stays because it's been, like I said, it's been a while since we did your first podcast. Oh, yeah. 
that one, uh, I don't know if it got any major playlisting, but man, it's no, had man. a lot of people that love it. Dude, it's it has on Spotify alone, it's like seven seventy, um, seven hundred seventy thousand, and then I think total streams like one point four something like that between all the DSPs or whatever. Yeah. There's zero playlisting too. Yeah, I'm talking nothing, and uh, it's so weird because that song. It's like the one you you play, and then somebody will come up and be like, "Shit, I missed it." You play it again. You know what I mean? It shows. <laughs> I mean, shit, you've been to the shows, yeah. and, dude. That's the one that I, I don't care where you put it in the set. It just wins, man. And, and it's, but I, I think the thing is because it comes from something everybody can relate to. It's something that I feel like, you know, in in country we're always trying to hide the truth, man. But sometimes it's hard to beat around the bush. Sometimes, hey, man, you you. You don't really date somebody. They just kind of stay over one night. Next thing you know, they're waking up cooking breakfast. And, you know, a year and a half later, you're getting married. Like, that's how love works sometimes. And and, and uh, I've always been told a good friend of mine tells me love ain't a fairy tale, man. It's just – but that's the beauty in it is it's it's the simple things. You know, sometimes she stays, you know. It's and, like a blue-collar love song almost. Yeah, yeah, man. It's like, you know, ask you for a coffee and an old sweatshirt. Like, it's not this big grand thing. She just wanted to, hey, man, like – I just woke up. Where you? Where you keep the coffee? Like that. That's so to me. That was so real, and it felt like something that had, that had you know happened to me. And it's uh, well, it's, it's such a a cool song. And I, I've always been like, it's one of the few songs I feel like the higher power <laughs> helped write, man, because it came out too easy. And um, it, it's such a fun song to play. And and uh, yeah, I'm just I'm 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 a fan of it. I love that song. I'm just I'm just blessed that I get to sing the damn thing. It's uh, it's super cool. Like I'll see that pop up on my timeline because I have a lot of friends that are music mm-hmm. fans, yep. and I'll see like someone post it, yeah. right? Like, hey, I found this, or hey, this is back in my head. Like I've I have <laughs> already found this, but like this part's back in my head, and I've seen it pop up on like multiple friends' pages, and I'm like, man, that, that's when you know, you know, you that's know, when you know it's hitting people. The the thing that hit me, and this is another one of those higher power things. It's like I went to Colorado. I spent uh, about two and a half weeks um, elk hunting. This past year, because hey, there ain't shit else to do. Might as well go elk hunt for the, the whole September. Yeah. And the first day, man, we're, we we hunt Friday, and my brother was going to meet us Friday afternoon, drive to camp, and um, we go all the way back. We've been hunting all morning. He's meeting us like two o'clock in the afternoon, and we uh, I walk like I'm not shitting you, man, like 900 feet up a fucking mountain. Get to the top of the mountain, we hang. Good to see you, man, because he has flown in, drove a few hours, and like we start looking, like where the fuck is my phone at? Like seriously, and I mean, when you're up in the mountains, like you use what they call Onyx Maps, and it's you can be on airplane mode, but it'll still use your GPS. Your phone has GPS that still works, right? So we use that, and in my phone, I'll show you boys. Like I have that, so it's oh, my boy. oh yeah. yeah so it's like that. you can't see it, but it's it's my uh, credit card, my debit card, and my driver's license. So I'm looking. I'm like, oh my god, like where is my phone? Like I have nothing. And I mean, we I went down the mountain three times. So nine times I went up and down 2,700 feet in like a matter of fucking 45 minutes because I took clothes off. I was like, it must have fallen out of my pocket or something. And uh, so phone's nowhere to be found. And uh, I'm just like, I- I've got to have a phone. Like we're here another two and a half weeks in the wilderness. Like I've got to drive to Steamboat Springs an hour away and buy a phone. I have to do it. And luckily, like I looked in my like my backpack. I brought some just cash and my passport because my back the backpack I always have just has like, my in-ears and, you know, just it's my travel backpack. Yeah, right. But it had a passport, which I totally forgot was in there. So because you can't buy shit without a driver's license if right. you just want to know it by a phone. 
So I had like a thousand bucks and like a passport. I'm like, what the fuck? I gotta go buy a brand new iPhone. Like I gotta go do it right now. So I go drive all the way down the mountain. I'm freaking out. Like I borrowed borrow my brother's phone. I'm talking to my wife. I'm like, you're not gonna believe it. We're the first fucking day. And I've lost my phone, my credit card, my debit card. I've got this money, but I'm about to spend it on a phone. Like this is terrible. And get all the way to the AT&T store. And of course, like I'm the only one in there and I'm sitting there. I haven't had a shower in four days. I smell like a goat. And like, <laughs> and this girl is like, she's so nice and she's helping me out. And like, she's like, we're buying a new phone. We're having to like cancel, you know, it's not an easy process when you're right. buying a new, and when you're canceling a phone that's lost. So, and you know, she's like, well, you know, some type of passport and it's like, but they don't do cash. I'm like, how do you not do cash? You know, it's just a whole thing. We get to the end and she's so sweet. And at the end, like I get the phone, I get a new phone and she goes, I have just finally got to say it. You're Kenton Bryant, right? And I was like, yes. She goes, you're the singer, right? I'm like, yeah. She goes, oh my God, my husband and I fucking love sometimes she stays. Hell that yeah. is our, she's like, we found that. You're like our favorite guy. That's, that's going to be our first dance. Like their fiance or whatever. And she's yeah. like, that's going to be our first dance. I've been texting him for like the past 30 minutes going, you're not going to believe who just came into the store. <laughs> We're, she's like, we are huge fans. And I'm like, oh my God. Like, but just the whole, and again, it's like one of those higher power things because I was having such a bad day and it took me having to drive all the way an hour to Steamboat Springs and have a girl that, I mean, dude, I've never been to Steamboat Springs in my life. But this girl somehow was such a big fan from Stays. It's like that one song, and it's weird. It's like that one moment when Emerson was taking a nap that I was like, hey, I'm just going to write this song down. And you write that song, and then, you know, a couple of years, three years later, it's like I'm in the middle of an AT&T store, and some girl's telling me that, like, that's a song her and her husband want to, you know, have a first dance to. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Crazy, man. And, and I like, I was like, I'm so sorry, but, like, let me give you a hug. I gave her the biggest, nastiest, like, Elk Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> and went on my way. But And funny thing, so we get to the top, and this is where I was like, man, this is just, this is made for a story. Get to the top, and my brother goes, "Hey, bud. Oh uh, no. Hey, bud. Oh uh, no." <laughs> he goes, I, "I dropped the tailgate, and your phone was sitting on the tailgate." I was like, "Oh, you motherfucker, man!" <laughs> and he so couldn't my, even call you. He because... couldn't call me because he didn't have a phone. <laughs> yeah, and they didn't have service, so my phone is on like the the step. So when he dropped the tailgate, it was between the tailgate and the step, just sitting there the whole time. Apparently, like twenty minutes after I left, they shut the tailgate. And I'm like, "Oh shit, there's this phone," but. I, and, and with all that said, like, as bad as it was, I genuinely think, because I was having, yet last year, I mean, there were a few downs. Like, I mean, I suffer every once in a while from a little, like, I'm not going to say depression, but like the blues, man. I'll get the blues. The big sad. The yeah. big sad, man. And, and I fight it every yeah. once in a while pretty hard. And it was, like, when I went on my elk trip, I was I was excited because I was getting, I was able to, like, beat the monotony. You right. know, go do go have an adventure, man. Like, I'm an adventure guy. I love going and just... Cause you're not thinking about it. You're just like, I'm in elk hunt mode or I'm fishing mode or I'm golfing mode. And, um, that was one of those little signs, man, you get from, from God or whatever. And they're just like, Hey dude, you're, you're doing right. You're okay. You're like it's, it was cool, man. And I may never meet that girl again, but meeting her in the AT&T store and her, her going to be like, I've just got to tell you, I've just got to tell you, we're huge fans. <laughs> That's it was so cool, man. Well, I hope she listens to the podcast. I yeah. hope she does too. And, and I swear, like, I felt bad because I ended up returning the phone to another AT&T store was we left. I was like, that's just, I can't drive an hour. But um, if you ever listen, I don't know your name, but if you ever listen to the podcast or know, if somebody knows the girl at Steamboat Springs, AT&T store, have her shoot me a DM and I will send her a t-shirt and a koozie. And you'll play her wedding. And I will, <laughs> yeah, 
Maybe, maybe. I might FaceTime, zoom in. I'll zoom in. There you go. Yeah. It's still quarantine, kind of. Yeah, yeah that's true. <laughs> Man, that's fun. I love that story. That's incredible. Thanks, just dude. the power of music is insane. Exactly. I was just the whole time I'm thinking all this because of one song. It's because of one song, and it, it's just weird. It's like if you'd have gone down and just bought a phone, like, hey, that's that's is what it is. Funny story, but like, for it to be me in that store with that girl. That's so weird, man. Like, I don't know. And that specific day, you know, like, why? Yeah. That's weird. And I always say there's magic in Nashville. And, and I think maybe Nashville magic carries a little further than Nashville sometimes, sure. you know. It's the magic of music. It's the magic of a good song. It's the yeah. magic of that stuff all coming together, right? Mm, yeah. And that's, it, it means so much. I mean, coming being a fan, like, I'm a fan of music, right? And we all are, but, like, mm -hmm. You guys actually make it. I just am a fan. So that, those songs mean so much to me, you yeah. know? And I know how much they mean to me, and I know how much they mean to all my friends and all the other people that I'm associated with. That that power lives there, and yeah. you're harnessing it, and you're, you know, letting people come on the journey with you on something that you created. For you sure, know? man. And, and I think the thing is you can't take that lightly yeah. because you don't know who's trying to make memory. Right. You know what I mean? And that's that's – something that we all think, I mean, we don't think about it as, as, as creators, but it's like you were literally writing the soundtrack to somebody's life or you're damn sure trying to, you yeah. better be trying to. I mean, right. we were all kids in, in a football game one time and we, and what do, what's somebody going to put in their truck when they're driving up the, I, I can see Barron County high school. Like when they're trying to pull into the parking lot, like you want to be that guy with that song. I mean, for me, it was hillbilly deluxe. Like that was the one man. And, uh, you know, but you just felt cool, dude. You felt cool when you had yeah. Hillbilly Deluxe or, I mean, there's a couple of Keith Urban songs. And, like, you just think about, like, the sound. The, there was a, a soundtrack to somebody's life, and you're just trying to be the guy that's a part of it. And don't write a shitty song. Yeah. <laughs> don't write a shitty song because you don't know who's going to need it when when they finally do hear it. Yep. Yeah, Easier man. than said than done, I think. For yeah. sure. Yeah, man. It's heavy, man. I, I you know... You guys, Rob Thomas fans, Matchbox Twenty fans, yeah, sure. absolutely. Um, there's there's a piano version of Rob doing Three AM. Have y'all ever seen that? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Wilford showed it to me before. Dude, the come on, yeah, man. It's, it's for the ones that that haven't seen it. It's like Rob, nobody knows, but it's like he, he wrote the song for his mom having cancer, and but the beauty of the whole song, and I, and I think he kind of goes into it, it's like the song. You know, that was what it was for him, but for somebody else, it's something different, and that's the power of a song, man. It's like you're there to help somebody else's journey as yeah. much as you're there to help your own. So as crazy as it is, almost the more specific you get in details, the mm -hmm. more someone can relate to it, even though it's not always broad, it's you're yeah. pointing in that same thing. Yeah. But they catch a piece of that that means something to them. And then they just totally relate to a song. You yeah. Know? The details, which you would think make it less relatable, makes it so much more relatable. I mean, I'm just thinking like I, on the way over here, just, I was listening to red rag top. Dude, come on. Like, I mean, let's yeah. how can we all relate to a song about abortion? But dude, I mean, in the back of that red rag top, she said, please don't stop. Like, come on. Like, I didn't have a red rag top, but fuck me. I want to. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's that's the power of a song, man. That's the power of a great story. And I, I feel like there's there's been, I'm not gonna say there's been less of that, but I don't know if people are or I think a lot of the creators in town fucking forgot what it's like to make that kind of song because um, we're all told to 
if it's not 72 beats per minute and has a snap track, you're fucked. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't, I don't ride that. I don't ride that road, man. I feel you. I think one thing to, you know, just to share a little optimism is that like all these songs that you loved as a kid, you know, mm-hmm. older Tim songs and Brooks and Dunn stuff, all like the shit songs have been filtered out by time. Dude. Yeah. Michael Heaney. If, if you don't know Michael Heaney, you gotta, he's a great songwriter in Nashville. He's one of the old school cats. He had, he had George Jones cuts and he also wrote drink in my hand. That's, and he had, he's had hits in between. Right. Still doing time is what he wrote stuff for George Jones. But he's like, dude, country music's always sucked. <laughs> he'll yeah, tell right. you that he's like it's always sucked you just remember the great he's like johnny cash he's like i could pull up 15 johnny cash songs right now you're gonna be like what the fuck is that um but I, and i love like dude i love waylon jennings i love johnny cash and and all that stuff but yeah i mean there are, there are a few they might have missed on i mean there and there Absolutely. was a lot of stuff in there man there's a lot of like the problem that i think what happens is there becomes a johnny cash and then there are 50 guys that the record label would sign to be like, Jimmy Cash. Yeah. You know? True. Jimmy Money, you yeah. know? <laughs> and it's, it happens today, man. I mean, yeah. there's, there are, I can think of four dudes that are trying to be like Luke Combs. Yeah, me too. You know? Hey, are they going to be the guy? Everybody's going to remember Luke Combs. Ain't a motherfucker going to remember Luke yeah. likes. Yeah, no know? doubt. And like, also, like, that's why I get, I get so tired of being like, people are like the country police, like, this ain't country. And, Blah blah blah. I'm like, what do you like? This is there's always been that edge of like this is too pop or this is too rock or this yeah. is too. It's just always been there, but it's just maybe that stuff didn't pass the test of time. It's like get off your high horse and just go do your homework and find good music, dude. It's all there, man. And you know the thing that gets me is like, oh well, Sturgill Simpson's real country or Tyler Childers is real country. I'm like, eh. I listened like Sturgill is one of my favorites. Like my my highest stream people last year were Dua Lipa, Sturgill Simpson, Tyler Childers, Air Church. Like that was like the thing. And Sturgill's uh, he's real country, but shit, man, it's like he's he's real country. And I think Thomas Rhett's real country, man. Yeah. Like yep. I think it's just genuine, uniquely identifiable, honest, genuine. And I think that's that's the parameters for being country, man. And you tell a story like. Pop songs are pop songs because they're cool line, cool line, cool line, and I don't know what the fuck you're saying. Right. Country's a, well, does it tell a story? Did you understand what he was saying? Yeah, that's a country song. Yeah, did it make your heart feel yeah, something? did it make you feel something, or, you right. know, good, bad, ugly? Yeah, right. make you want to drink or uh, cry dude, or I mean, whatever. Beer Never Broke My Heart comes on every time. I'm like, fuck, I, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. but It's time to, it's time to crack a cold one. one. <laughs> <Hell yeah. laughs> you know, it's just great, man, but that's country music to me, man. Yeah, that, yeah. that really is. And I think I've said this in another podcast before, but like the best country songs take you on a journey in the song. Yeah. You know? So, like the ones where you really remember, and a lot of times that's like steps in someone's life or something. But if you can bring me up and bring me down in the same song, I'm hooked. Yeah. Like, that's when I'm like, man, you know, that, that really caught me. But it's, you know, I mean, there's so many of those songs. There's some songs that I can't listen to at certain times because I'm like, this shit's too heavy. Yeah. You know, like like Homeboy, fucking love that song. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I got to be in the mood. Or you Elephant know? or something. Yeah. Elephant. Lord, dude. Like, I remember when that came out. <laughs> I used to play, like, in college. I put myself through school, like, money-wise, just playing gigs. Like, I played Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Thursday night twice, Friday night twice, Saturday night twice, and <laughs> once on Sunday. Like, that was how I lived. And... 
I remember I threw elephant my set a set a couple times, and people were like, "What the fuck is going on?" Here? <laughs> you know. But I thought I was like, "Hey, this is cool. Like people are going to dig this song." But what I did not realize is when they're sitting there eating wings and pizza, they don't give a fuck about cancer. Yeah, you know. What I mean? yeah. They're like, "Oh, whiskey, please. Whiskey, whiskey please. sales. Go yeah. Up. Is there a gun in the audience?" <laughs> <laughs> oh man, but great song though. I love that song. In mm-hmm. fact. Uh, just thinking about that, I bought my mom. My mom went through breast cancer a few years back, and she's completely fine now, which is a huge blessing. But I, uh, I bought Jason. It was weird because she went through it, and then Jason re-released Southeastern in Breast Cancer Pink. Yeah. Um, and I bought that. And nice. that, weird enough, another weird music. I was playing golf at McCabe, and it was like his manager, one of the Thirty Tigers guys. Like I just got grouped up, and I was playing. I was like, Hey, man! Like we started talking about music. He's like, Yeah, I'm involved with Jason. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome, man! Well, I just bought my mom. The pink thing. He's like, oh, I'll tell Jason. You know, I don't give. I don't know if he did, but he. It was nice because I'm sure, like the the stage feeling I had, I was like, hey man, you did a breast cancer awareness record, and I bought it for my mom who had breast cancer. So, you know, it's just it's it's weird how music sometimes comes back around full circle and helps sure people. Does. So it helped like, me for sure. And golf too, dude. Golf, I, f- yeah, man, golf, dude. Golf. I, I, I love golf so much. It's like it's like beer drinking, but you don't get drunk. You know what I mean? Like you can drink beer and play golf, yes. But for me, golf's like one of those things I can go and spend four hours and not know what the fuck I just did. It's amazing. It's like the complete shut off. It's like I go into like just idiot stage, man. I love it. It's fantastic. We call that the content co- yeah over here. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I think like like a parallel between golf and music is like you talking about writing like sometimes she says how just you just put pen to paper yeah. and you're done like sometimes you just put the club on the ball and the club does the work and then you're like i can't believe i just hit that hard i just felt like i just moved, <laughs> you know if you're lucky somebody do you feel this way all right this is something that, that i've wondered do you go into autopilot when you play live yes we were talking about this yesterday or a couple days ago like yeah. somebody asked like so what's it like i'm like like remembering lyrics i was like well i'm not thinking about that at all if you do, you're in trouble. You're fucked. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm I'm literally having conversations in my head and be like, that's a nice hat. That is a really I, I like those boots. I wonder where that poster came from. Like while I'm putting on a show. <laughs> yep. After show food. Like what's going yeah, on? I mean, it's like that that dude's getting late at night. Like you're having these huge, massive conversations for like if you're playing a 75, I guarantee that 60 minutes of it, I am full on check the fuck out. And you're just and like checked out, not like don't care but like i'm checked out because you have to go into autopilot on it yeah. you have to be like just it's like a golf swing or it's like shooting a free throw you don't know how you shoot a free throw you just shoot a free throw yeah. and that's the fun part about it i mean it's like you're just up there thinking like man my taxes are gonna be a fucking wreck this year yep <laughs> you know me and whiskey yep. going way back you know <laughs> so funny like i have these thoughts all the time and i i get like kind of guilty thinking about like like oh man like during that whole song i was just I played everything like I always do. Yeah. Um, like I played fine, but like, should I should I be thinking more or less? But like, the cool part about the podcast is like getting to like figure that out with other musicians. <laughs> like, oh, you also do that. Like, I'm not a bad person. No, dude. And I, it was even worse for me because when I first moved to town, I played. You know, I was just playing guitar, slinging for people, just trying to pay rent. Right. Like Walker McGuire, I was out with him for one weekend that turned into six months. And um, but I remember being on stage and not knowing. Like what's going? Not bad, but like, literally checked out. When I, when I was playing guitar for people, you can literally just check out, and you're just playing, looking down the set list. What's next? Here we go. We're <laughs> we're coming in one, two, three, four. <laughs> um, it, it's even better now, man. I mean, with with in ears and stuff, and having silent count offs in your ears and all that mm-hmm. stuff, it's like 
you know, now I think I'm having to like talk to the crowd or like, you know, we're, we're still playing clubs. So it's, you might be sitting, uh, you know, popping ear out to talk to somebody that's, you know, would you play this? No, we're not doing Dixieland delight. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, uh, what's me and my drunk friends front row trying to give you Jim Beam. Hey man. And I will take it every single time. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to twist my arm on that. Yeah. yeah that's so funny. It's like you don't even know like what other people think like while it's going on, but it's like it kind of feels like camaraderie to know that other people do all that. Yeah, and I think, but I think all of us do it, man. Mm-hmm. I think you could probably ask thirty musicians, all buddies of ours, and they'd be like, mm, "Yeah, man, I'm totally thinking about what I'm going to eat when I get off this thing." Mm-hmm. You know? And my buddy Liam is a professional golf coach. Shout out to Liam. But um, like I'm like, okay, so when I pull the club back, this, what do I think about there? He goes. Stop! You're thinking way too much, dude. Just like swing the club and like try and follow through on this one, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure, man. That's tough. I mean, like, I'm at the point. I'm I'm not a bad golfer, and dude, you're great. Come on, you could brag about it. I, I play pretty good golf. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but you know, it's weird. It's like even when you get better, it's like I still think about shit like that. You're like, okay, don't think about it too much. Like, get your hips through the ball. You mm-hmm. know, it's like the problems just get harder as you, as you get yeah. better at golf. <laughs> Um, and I'm sure it's the same way in music or whatever. I mean, I can't say Luke's probably having the same thoughts that I am on stage, but I'm sure they're probably pretty fucking similar. Like, huh, this is fun. Yeah, this is cool. Huh, that guy's got a nice shirt, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Look funny. at that Brooks and Dunn hat. I don't have that one yet. That yeah. guy looks just like me. <laughs> yeah, that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. Ugh. That's a, it's crazy to hear all of the musician stories. And again, like coming from the fan side of it, that's not stuff I ever think about, right? Like, I don't think about, oh, they, they might be thinking about what they're going to have after. There's those raised ready guys again. (laughs) Them motherfuckers don't work. They're everywhere. (laughs) Meanwhile, we work twice as much. I know. Y'all are on it, dude. Y'all are on it. I love, I love seeing y'all at shows. Any show you guys have ever been to has always been a good show because y'all are make everybody else have a good time. We, we know the words too. So if you forget them, you can just look at us. Yeah. That's, that's a very good point. (laughs) Yeah. And you're spending money at the bar for sure. Yeah. That's what we like to do. (laughs) Yeah. No doubt about that. Uh, I remember that one show in Columbus, like they wanted to like talk to me and I'm like, no, I'm like here to see Kenton. Like I need to be out there and see Kenton. Like we drove three and a half hours. Like Y'all I'm going to go see home, Kenton. Dude. And that's, that's the shit that amazed me. Like, I mean, when I was a kid, I would drive to Nashville, but that was like an hour and 35, 40 minutes. Like, and that was a haul to go see a show. Like there are people, I mean, I remember somebody at that show drove from Michigan, dude, Nuts. to Columbia. So I'm, Columbus. I'm like, y'all drove like six hours to see me. Like, <laughs> What are you doing, dude? That's great, though. Um, it's fun. Yeah, yeah, it's funny, man. And and it's just so bizarre to think that somebody likes what you do enough. And it's it's humbling, and it's a blessing. And it's like, it's honestly scary because you go on stage, especially now that we're starting to, like, sell tickets and, and do yeah. shows. It's like, I've got to, you know, if you, knowing that maybe one person out there has spent eight hours in a car to come to the show, you better put on the best fucking show they've ever seen, even if there is 25 people in the, in the crowd because – you want them to come back and be like, hey, man, five years ago I saw you in Columbus at uh, Flanagan's. Flanagan's. And dude, there, were, there was a 75 people there, but you crushed it. Like, I'm, I've been a fan since. Yeah. That, to me, is the that's the trick. That's the trick you got to pull and then pull it again and then pull it again. Well, I remember, so we saw you there at Flanagan's inside, right? Yep. And then that outside show, Yeah. right? So it was like you went from being inside and there was a pretty good crowd for the inside like, one. I think it was like 160. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. a good crowd. 
But then, then you played the outside show, and it was when Cadillac Three and Luke Acoustic, yeah, and it was like, boom, <laughs> that was crazy. And it's fun. That Flanagan's, uh, it's a Great super place. cool venue, man. I love being there. And that beach part specifically, that outside so on the sand Atlanta, is dude. so great. And to be in Columbus, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. I love it. Um, yeah, cool club, man. I really like that place. Yeah, it was a good show. And but it's it was like I said for me, like being a fan, I was like. I just got to see Kenton inside here, you know, on mm-hmm. a Friday. And then now he's opening on the freaking sand and everybody's listening. You know, funny though, man. Like to me, those, those shows, like the inside shows are the ones though. Like, yeah. When there's people there, they're like, dude, you're the dude, you're the guy. Like it's yeah. fun. When you're, when you're in the big group, it's like, it's, it's just a different feeling. Cause you're just like, okay, I'm going to take care of my 30 minutes, my 40 minutes. When it's your show and it's your hour, 65 minute set 70 minute set dude there were a lot of times we pulled we'd be 65 and we played 95 or 100 minutes coyote joe's ap alan presley there still says that uh the first time we played there on a one two three night was probably one of the biggest ones i've ever had dude we had we were supposed to play a 60 and at 90 minutes he was like he was front row like like this he was loved <laughs> there were chicks on stage but but for me it's like when you're the headliner dude you can just fucking play like yeah Hey boys, we ain't got nowhere to go but the hotel room. Let's keep it going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like when I went out and played with Flatland guys recently, they yeah. were like, "What's it like being on an arena tour?" I go, "It's awesome, but don't take this club stuff for granted because yeah. you're gonna miss it." And as much as I love playing arenas, and like I think anyone like in Luke's band would, Luke included, are, they're gonna miss the club shows because it's just like everyone's hot and sweaty together, and they're all yeah. crammed in. And you can like smell like the body heat off the people. And then <laughs> now in the arena shows, it's like it's well ventilated and parking's $45 and there's a big photo pit and you know, all this other stuff. So, yeah, man. I mean, I, I've been fortunate to open a few arena shows and just, you know, even with the 45 minutes you get to do the thing, it's like nobody tells you how much disconnect. Like when you're used to clubs and people being legitimately six feet in front of you or closer, like, their drinks on your pedal board. Right. Um, when you go from that, then you go to like, we did this Leonard Skinner run and it was awesome. I remember walking around the corner and being like, oh shit, I'm just out here by myself. It's like, you you see, for me, I'm sure Kurt, you feel the same way. It's like, when the, sh- the light's on you, it's like, nobody else is here. You see the lights for the, like the balcony and stuff, mm-hmm. but you don't see anything else. And you're just playing a show to yourself. That's the way I felt on the handful of shows we did with them. It's like, fun. But, man, there's something about that club. When you see the guy front row that is just having the night, man, like the Nick, you know, yeah. <laughs> you know just uh, probably about nine beers deep, screaming me and whiskey go way back, which is funny because it's the biggest, gnarliest, redneck dude that's going, sometimes she stays every fucking time, dude, and will scream it, and his girl's just sitting there laughing and taking videos. But those, those are the memories, you know – I've always said, man, whether this thing goes to the top, whether it goes crashes and burns, whatever, having those memories and being able to do that is is been the highlight of my life. Yeah. So, yeah, so I know I know we talked about covered in dirt. So we have a release mm-hmm. date for that. Yeah, man. Are you guys doing singles? Is that how we're releasing the Man, we're doing the uh let's see what we feel that day. Heck which yeah. is fun because we've got more than enough songs for a record and a half. I mean, we could do at this point, shit, we could do two records. But, you know, still being what I would call a, a baby act, um, just, just try, still trying to make fans, man. Still trying to get pe- the way that people felt when they first time first time they heard Stays, still trying to make new fans feel that way about a new song. 
Right. And that way they go back in the catalog and go, holy shit, there's a song called Sometimes She Stays. I've never heard it before. And I feel like singles allow you to make those new fans. Yeah. Because when you release a catalog, you know, for somebody like me, um, there are a lot of songs that become, you know, filler. Yeah. You know, like secondary to whatever which, they really love. Yeah. And it's not really even like I feel like they're they're lesser songs. I just feel like people's attention span. I have a hard time listening to a full record top to bottom unless it's one of three or four people. Yeah. Period. And um, it's hard for me to expect other people to dive in on a guy they've never heard of when they just, hey, we like one song. Yeah. You know, maybe they'll become a fan of the next song. And then the next song after that, the next thing you know, they're having a podcast. I'm sitting here talking about it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, uh, uh, luckily, too, you get to do artwork for each one then. Like, for example, the photo that Kirk got to take of you Dude, for Covered in Dirt. Yeah. That is one of my favorite photos I've ever taken in my life. So, and I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. Like, no, blow was, it all day, man. I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a cool shoot. I remember, uh, and uh, nobody's seen it yet, which other than you, Nick. And, um, it was one of those photos. I just remember, which is, it's so, uh, I guess, a uh, simple thing to be like, hey, it's just a picture of a dude with dirt on his face. But like, Kurt just did a, he, I don't know, man, you just captured it. Like, the the emotion of the song. And, you know, it was it was a fun shoot because, I mean, your lady just threw dirt on my face. And, <laughs> yeah. But she did it tastefully. It was tasteful. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the the thing about the song that I think the the cover does such a good job is it's not about, as much physically being covered in dirt. It's, it's about the things that shaped you. And, and I feel like that that cover art that, that Kurt did really goes, hey, this is a song about people, places, memories, experiences that are the dirt on your soul. Yeah. And, and and that's what, to me, that's what a great cover does. It, it tells the story of the song yeah. visually. So I'm, I'm stoked for people to see it. Yeah, I am too. I think it's funny, like, too, you were like, Man, I sent you. I just realized I sent you those pictures, dude. So funny, by the <laughs> way. So my manager's name is Nick, and I have him as Nick too in my phone, right? And like I was texting Nick Miller, my manager, and be like, "Hey, dude, like blah blah blah. We're thinking about doing covered dirt strip. Like, here's the photo thing. Just pick out which one you kind of like, so we can, you know, have Kurt do his thing." And I'm sitting here texting him, and then <laughs> I was texting him about something else. Then it was like, "I like this one, like 1084, like just just total like business." And then I just looked back like, what, three days ago? Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. I was having that conversation with you. Wait, so you were like, I like photo 1084? <laughs> yeah. Dude, unreal. And Nick Miller and I have yet to have the conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm your new manager, dude. Dude, I, I know. It's, which is funny as shit <laughs> because we both agreed on the same one. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, I guess I have another photo to edit then. <laughs> no, which is so funny, dude. I was, I was cracking up about that all day the other day. That's pretty funny. Oh, man. But uh, I just like to be like those little pieces of yeah. things, like getting to see the photos of the album cover or getting to hear the song maybe before it's even done, like a yeah. demo or a work tape, you know, and then getting to hear the finished product. Like, yeah. I think that's such an interesting part of the world and something for me that like just like fills my heart, you know, You're like just when, flexing on all the listeners about your well, access. It's fun, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think and it's well deserved because you've put in the the time I'm not even say building the relationships, but just being such a fan and a believer, because there there's so many people in town, man, that are like, "Yeah, I dig what you do, dude," but they ain't got a fucking clue what you do. But like Nick, when I send something to him and he says something back, he's like, "Hey, man, I, I love this or this is a great song." I can trust his his opinion, not as a writer, not as a producer or publisher, just strictly as a consumer and a believer in music that it's a great song. And to me, more than anything, man, it don't matter what 
this guy in town thinks because if somebody in Columbus, Ohio thinks it's it's their song or somebody in Steamboat Springs, Colorado thinks it's their song and it's something that they want to have the first dance to, that's all that matters, dude. Yeah. I don't give a fuck what somebody thinks about Nashville that's in the music business because I'm not writing songs for them. I'm writing songs for you. Right. So. Yep, you're writing songs for the person that it's going to hit their heart and mm-hmm. mean something to them. Yeah, I mean, that's all I want to do. And there's all, all these stories like Luke, for example, being told like his songs were good enough, he'll never make dude. it. Like, yeah, fuck that person, right? <laughs> I know that person. <laughs> well, I'm sure. I'm sure they're nice. They just great people. Up. Great people, man. But you just can't. Again, man, it really boils down to the consumer. We're not writing for anybody other than the guy in Glasgow, Kentucky, that is hopping in his truck right now, leaving Donnelly's factory. He's going to turn the radio on. And he wants something that's going to make him feel something for 15 minutes on his ride home. Yeah, that's it, man. I mean, that's the trick. We it's not any harder or any easier or any easier than that. It's just that. And uh we all for, we all sit in our high palace in sixteenth Avenue and try to make it something more or something less. And um it's it's not, man. It's, it's just that. So man. that's the beauty of it. That's that is the beauty of it. I mean, it's the thing that, that Willie Nelson did right. It's the thing Chris Christopherson did right, and it's the thing that Garth Brooks did right. It's the same thing that, that Luke Bryan did right. Same thing that Eric Church did. I mean, it's like you go down the list of people that have actually done it. All they did was just write songs and sing songs or cut songs that that connected. That they were they were not for anybody other than the listener. So. Yeah, man, what a what a story! And I can't wait to hear the rest of the stuff. I've heard a couple of them. But oh yeah, man. man! I can't wait to hear the rest. Yeah, they're they're fun, man. We we've kind of got. I think we've got. Eight in a Dropbox holder, like mixed, mastered, sitting pretty. And, uh, nice. you know, if we're doing the singles thing, that gets us a long way down the line. But yeah. I just don't think I'm that patient. Yeah, <laughs> I actually, just to speak on that for a second, I was at Luke's bachelor party with Singleton, and I yeah. was, like, talking to him about you. I'm like, oh, Kenton wants me to shoot his cover. And he's like, yeah, like, Kenton, like, he just has this drive, like, and I'm trying to get him to calm down about stuff like that. <laughs> but he's just like, he just wants, he just wants – this so bad. No one else wants it more than this guy. Yeah, man. Uh, that's and Jonathan laughs about it. He, I mean, he actually said that because he was my best man at my wedding. And he's, that was one of the things he's like, there is not anybody in town that is more run through a wall than, <laughs> than Kenton. <laughs> but I don't, I mean, I don't know, man. I just, I, I think that, you know, talent is something that you're gifted and, and hard work is something that you got to do. And, yeah. you know, if the hardest thing that I got to do is, hey, I've got this idea, and my buddy Kurt shoots real good pictures. Why not get it done, man? Why yeah. not chase it down? And because there's, I mean, I would hate to know how many people in town would just love to be in my driver's seat. Yeah, you know, have the deal that I have, and and I'm, I, you know, I'm always just going shoot, man. I've just got to work harder than that guy. And the people that, and Jonathan will say that he slows down, but that is the hardest working son of a bitch I know, man. <laughs> yeah. And but it's funny, it's because people like with the same mindset, there is no made it. I mean, Brad Tercy is a really good friend of mine from Old Dominion, and this this clicked me because it's just a common theme, and I'm sure Luke's the same way, and I'm sure all of us are the same way. It's like Tercy and I were going to play golf in Louisville one day, and I said, hey, we weren't right, and so we're driving up to play this golf course, and uh, he had just they had just won Song of the Year, or ASCAP Song of the Year with uh, <clears throat> One Man Band. Oh, man. And... Uh, I was like, man, you know, you, you bought your house. What you doing? And uh, blah blah blah. And he's like, man, shit, I'm just trying to, just trying to get some money squirrel back and get everything set in case this thing don't work out. And I'm like, what? 
what the fuck are you on song of the year <laughs> yesterday? But it hit me and I was like, oh, like in his mind, he's still trying to make it. You know, and, and and props to Brad is so cool, man. And 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 I love everything Old Dominion does, and I look up to the, those guys so much. But you know, it's just it's it's that mindset that, that gets you to town. It's the mindset that makes you move to town when you don't have shit, but you figure out how to way to get here. It's the mindset that that made Tercy play for you know play guitar for people until he could get a pub deal. Then you get a pub deal, and you're trying to figure out how to get cuts, or you try to figure out how to cut records. It's like the the bar is moving, man, and it's always. always and it's always moving, and and I think the same drive that drives me today, like how the hell are we gonna sell three hundred tickets in Vernon, Indiana? <laughs> you know what I mean? How? But I think that same exact drive is the drive that I would say Eric Church has going. How the fuck are we gonna sell fifty two thousand seats at Nissan Stadium? Yeah, twice, right? <laughs> you know, same drive. It's the same thing that he was doing probably ten years ago. How are we gonna put three hundred people in a room? You know, and how are we going to load up, you know, the touring card with a ton of debt and then figure out a way to pay it off and then do it again and do it right. again and go into debt more and do it more and more and, and knock out touring taxes and the business stuff that nobody ever tells you you got to do and the massive amounts of risk that you take. And, but that's the thing, all that. And, and on top of, for me, it's like, I got a five-year-old little girl that when every time I leave the house, it's another day that I don't get to hang out. Yeah. So for me, it's like if I don't bust my ass and work hard enough and be like, okay, I've got to make this happen, that's the day I didn't get to hang out with my kid. Yeah. There's a that's a thing that that's running through my head. So in my in my mind, you got to make it. There's no not making it. Does it make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I always think back to like you're talking about like those goals and those steps. Yeah. I remember like graduating college. And I'm like, if I can get this teaching job, yeah, then like I won't have to work you know, weekends at the restaurant, I'll just work weekdays. You know, like that was my goal. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, well, if I w- play these weddings and teach, like I wouldn't have to work in restaurants. <laughs> you know, now I'm playing for Luke. I'm like, well, I want to get this radio show on doing this. I want to play these sessions. I don't want to take these, fo-. you know, it's like yeah. always constantly stepping it up. Yeah, man. I mean, it's, that's the same thing that drives you. And, and I think, yep. I don't know what the hell I do without it. You know, I mean, it's and it's funny. It's like the same thing that drives me for, for my hobbies, like playing golf or playing, you know, or like hunting. Like when I hunt, man, I'm all in. Like I'm like, okay, this is like a thing. Like I'm going to Colorado and there's 300,000 acres and like I'm hoofing it, you know, with bow and arrow. Like what the fuck am I going to do here? You know, yeah. it's the same drive. And and I just, man, I, I think that's just a, a, a character trait for people that that's like the prerequisite to making it in Nashville is like, yeah. I agree. Just, just having the just grinding on it. I don't. It's maybe it's just being dumb and not giving a shit. Like, because if you told the odds, like <laughs> how many people are drafted in the NBA every year? Yeah, not a lot. I'm not sure. a lot, man. You know, if you think about that versus how many people get like pub deals in Nashville, dude, they ain't handing out two hundred pub deals a year in Nashville. Right, right. There's definitely two hundred people that get drafted in the NBA every year. Yep. And it's like you start telling those odds, you're like, oh goddamn, like <laughs> right. this might not be for me, but. You just, I think I was just dumb enough to believe it could happen. And you figure I, it out. Yeah, I always laugh because, like, my parents were super supportive with my music career, like, in studying music. But then when I see kids that are, like, going to college, they're like, what should I study? Should I study music? I'm like, no. No. <laughs> but fact, I did, no. and, you know, it worked out for me. But it's like, I'm, but you was, just got to yeah. have that drive. I was a dropout, man. I was, funny enough, I got told to drop out. So was Luke. But, yeah. A fucking dropout, man. I remember like this this rhetoric. I was in a 
like second le- second year of college, into the end of it, I was in a uh, like this rhetoric class with this old beatnik guy. Like, hang he hung out with like Jack Kerouac and like like he was a cool cat. He was like eighty five man and just done drugs all his life. But he was a college professor. You know, yeah. he's just smart, just like to do drugs too. And uh, he was like, so what do you want to do? We had a meeting, and I was like, man, I just, honestly, I just want to write songs, but I think I want to be a lawyer, you know, just because that's like the safe thing. Like the yeah. law school, my buddy is an attorney here in town. He'll write me a rec letter to UK, and that's going to be a lawyer. He's like, dude, if you want to write songs, like you can always go back to school. Like but no, you're never going to get a chance to write songs again. And I was like, fuck me, man. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yep. And uh, I was like, I just, I guess I'm going to quit school. So I quit school, and. My parents were supportive, um, but I think it was definitely, I mean, my parents are so small town, middle class, white bread folks, and in the best way. Like, I mean, that's the heartbeat of America. Absolutely. And, you know, they were, they're, they're conservative people, man, and they, my, my parents never thought about, like, you move to town and don't have a job. Like, man, you sure you don't want to get a job? Like, just, I know I'm, I'm playing gigs on the weekends. Like, I'm writing the week, and I'm just paying gig, playing gigs to pay for the rent, are you sure? Are you sure you just don't want to get like a little job? I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I mean, even when I got my first pub deal, they were like, ah, you sure you just don't want to get a job? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, like my like my brother still joke, but like, you know, for, I'm fortunate now where I can kind of do a, a little more fun stuff. They're like, man, I wish we didn't have a job. I'm like, I play a lot more golf than you do. Too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, but it's it's scary, man, and, and I. But I wouldn't want it any either, any other way. Amen. You know, no doubt. It's fun doing what we do. Is fun. Hell yeah, it's and, fun. And this just, is fun too. Yeah, podcasts are are a blast because I feel like it's it's this new platform. I don't think it's even a new platform. I just think it's the the transitional platform from the old radio shows. But yeah, it's unfiltered. It's fun. You get to know a little bit more about. I listen to podcasts all the fucking time. Yep. And uh, I, I feel like you guys do such a great job because it's like. Oh, you always ask all the cool questions. It's just great conversation. So right, well, I do have a question though, real quick. Man. Um, you mentioned release dates. Um, what are those? Like, what? Uh, yeah. So, Covered Dirt comes out uh, at midnight on four two. So Friday, Friday, Thursday night, four uh, one, April one. Um, it comes out uh, Covered Dirt and comes out on all platforms. And uh, I'm really, really excited about it. I really am. It's first release in a long time. Are you planning any shows in support of that? Yeah, man. So we, uh, we're doing Whiskey Jam Thursday night. Heck so yeah. the, the first, April 1st, we're going to be there, Whiskey Jam. Um, going to obviously April play. April Fool's. April Fool's. No, it ain't April Fool's. I will <laughs> be there. Um, then we're playing uh, April 9th. We're going to be in Vernon, Indiana. Uh, that's a nowhere town. I mean, it is literally nothing there. It's like a town of like 30,000, 40,000 people. I just happen to have a massive following of just – people that came to shows and i realized they're all from vernon indiana so instead of having to go to bloomington or louisville yeah i'm just taking it to them baby hell yeah and uh yeah i mean we're probably gonna sell you know two three hundred tickets in vernon indiana at a club that we're it's so small that we're having to take our own pa system (laughs) (laughs) but i was like i was like hey man they're like we don't have a pa i'm like i'll fix it don't worry so we're (laughs) packing yeah we're taking a pa doing that four nine in vernon indiana it's close to uh, if you're listening um it's probably like 45 minutes from louisville uh, it's about 45 minutes from Indy. Uh, it's it's a really cool town. It's going to be an awesome show. It's a really cool club. Um, going to be playing the 10th in Bowling Green, Kentucky at the Spillway Bar and Grill. That's going to be an awesome show because it's somewhat of a hometown show. Yeah. And that stage and sound system is slamming. I saw Chris Stapleton there in 2012. 
Um, and that's uh, cool. Yeah, I, I will play you the work tape that I got of whiskey and you and people playing pool in the background. Um, and then the sixth, yeah, dude, the send that I'm playing April 16th in Jackson, Tennessee at Hub City Brewery. Um, we've been there a bunch. It's been almost a second home for us. Yeah. Uh, and, and it's, it's always one of my favorite shows. I and mean, we've done a singleton and I opened it up and we did like 600 something tickets there. Yeah. And it's just been a, it's been a great, great freaking venue, man. A great town. Uh, and, and people, any anybody in West Tennessee, man, y'all know where Jackson is. Come out and see us. Heck yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, thanks so much for jumping over here. I know you had a busy day today. Oh, man, it's thanks, all good. Thank thanks you. for taking the time to come hang out with Kurt and I. I, I love it, man. I'll come on hang out with y'all anytime you want to. Hell yeah. And we're going to make you uh, one of the cool things that we get to do now that Kurt's here is uh, since he does this like music thing, you know, a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, we're going to. Have everyone play a song with Kurt to end Love the podcast. It. Let's do it. So, uh, what are you guys going to play? Let's do a little Covered in Dirt. Ah, I like that oh, one. Yeah. Just, just break the new single off with it. Let's go. I love it. Awesome, man. All right. Turning that a grip, making mama work hard to keep white on his shirt. Covered in dirt. He turned 16, get a set of keys to a set of wings. Shining on up, bigger up, just to get the thing back where you were. Covered in dirt. Yeah, it's down in your soul. All over the roots of your hometown. Told the big lights Try to wash it off of your heart At the county line But that ain't how it works Cause you're still covered in dirt
ain't the first or the last link in the chain All the red blood running through your veins Came from stones on a hill with the same last name Covered in dirt thanks so much like i said for listening for following along and listening to kenton's story and a little bit of nonsense from kurt and i as well oh i love it thanks guys yep now uh, this is nikki t and kurt ozon and we'll and see, see you in the, the front, front row. row all right all right all the good old days you don't have to explain it it's just the way you Drowning.